Amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to speak about the Holy Spirit for the next several Sundays. This is a deep, profound subject of which there is a, uh, a great deal of ignorance. Uh, and I'm going to try as much as God gives me the ability to do it, uh, to be able to lay it out for you uh, exegetically, uh, to give you all of the backup that, that I think you need as you understand this subject and speak to others about it. First, let me apologize to you because you know I type all these outlines out myself. And I see here this morning as I was going over my notes that I wrote that we were going to study John 14, 26 to 18. I guess I'm, I'm doing that in the Chinese vernacular, <laughs> going backwards. But it's supposed to be 16 to 18. I'm sorry I didn't pick that up. Uh, but it's uh, 16 to 18. So if you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16. Actually, we'll start with 15 just to get a little... Uh, a textual emphasis. Verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. This is Jesus. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, and underline another, another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Wow, what a powerful verse. And so what we find here is that the Christian church, many in the Christian church, do not properly understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we understand Jesus. That's pretty clear. People in the church understand Jesus. But they, many cases, in many cases, are ignorant of the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's like the, those disciples whom Paul met at Ephesus, uh, and that's in Acts chapter 19, not 9, Acts chapter 19, verse 2, when they, uh, Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit? Uh, and they said, we have not so much as heard of the Holy Spirit. Not so much as heard. And the reason that they had not heard is that they came out of an Old Testament tradition, those disciples. Uh, and they had not been regenerated under Jesus Christ. Uh, and so... We're going to study the role of the Holy Spirit, how, what the Holy Spirit does to our lives. We're going to talk about some of the misconceptions uh, about the Holy Spirit. But one of the key things that you want to see in these verses is Jesus says, we're, I'm going to give you, pray to the Father that I give you another comforter. You notice that? Another comforter. Meaning, not just me, I am a comforter. God is a comforter. God the Father is a comforter. But God is going to send another comforter. Uh, and that will be the Holy Spirit who will be with you once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You will be sealed with the Holy Spirit. You will be effectively baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about the difference between baptized in the Holy Spirit and subsequent fillings in the Holy Spirit, that will be part of this teaching as we, as we drill down and understand it. But when you receive Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ as you saw it on the day of Pentecost, as the beginning of the church age started, as Jesus departed, ascended to heaven, and 40 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends on the church, anoints the church, and the uh, 120 in the upper room receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that day forward marks the beginning of the Holy Spirit in 
in Jesus Christ's church. Now, the Holy Spirit has exhibited himself uh, from time to time in the Old Testament. Whenever there was a prophet or a great patriarch or a great leader, the Holy Spirit descended on that person and gave that person power. Did not descend generally on the entire community of believers. Now, the Holy Spirit descends on the entire community of believers when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you understand why, it's because when Jesus said, I will give you authority to do even greater things, and we spoke about greater things, the only way you can do those greater things, evangelize uh, as God wanted you to do, is when you have received the Holy Spirit. All right? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can be the greatest speechwriter, the greatest rhetorical speaker, and as you speak about subjects that are spiritual, will fall flat as a pancake. And I've been in churches like that. Okay? And so I've, you've seen that. So it's not about a person's gifts, uh, worldly gifts that you may have in terms of being very talented and brilliant. It's not about that at all. When it's the Holy Spirit inspiring you. And I've seen some of the most humble uneducated people who, who, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, have said some simple aspect uh, uh, that God has touched them in a powerful way, and those words resonated. I told you my own, my own personal testimony, that, that many of you know this, but when I, really, when God called me into what I call greater service for him, I was sitting in this church 45 minutes before it started. The church is dark and the lights are subdued. Uh, Linda and I are sitting halfway back in the, in the church. In those days, we didn't sit in the front. I really, honestly, I would have preferred to sit against the wall back then if I could have because I was trying as much as possible to kind of, you know, get away from the church involvement. I had been burned. And so sitting back there, trying to understand what God wanted in my life for me, and this goes back now about 17 years, a woman came in uh, with a many, mentally handicapped teenage daughter. And as she came in and I looked up uh, and I immediately, the Holy Spirit convicted me. You understand? That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, conviction. And immediately I saw this girl and I go, oh, dear Jesus, forgive me. I have never properly blessed you and thanked you for giving me a healthy son. And he's the same age as this girl and that poor woman will have to take care of this girl for the rest of her life. Lord, help her, bless her. Oh, give her strength. And while I'm going through this conviction, she marches down the aisle with all these 2,000 open seats and plops down behind me. <laughs> and now I hear a discussion. Now I hear a discussion as somebody from the church comes over and says, hey, I want to invite your daughter to our Sunday school. We have a special needs Sunday school. My own son is special needs, and, and I know she would be blessed. And the woman says, oh, yes, my daughter is a Christian. And with this, this... 15, 16-year-old mentally handicapped girl said in the most clear voice, oh, yes, I love Jesus. He's my personal savior. Oh. And it was the Lord through the Holy Spirit that took, took a knife and plunged it into my heart. And I heard these words in my head as clearly as I'm talking to you. You see? You can talk to courtrooms all over America, and I never once heard you say those words publicly about me. Oh, God. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. 
That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it was from that time forward when I got convicted that I said, all right, all right, okay, I get it. I get it. All right, you want me to speak publicly? Then you'll bring it to me. If this is what you want, you'll tell me. Because I'm not going to go out looking for it. I'm not going to market myself. If you want me to do this, then you bring it to me. And a couple years had to go by uh, uh, as I prayed and going through this process exactly. You know, I had some visions of grandeur about how this was going to go. Maybe I'll head up some big parachurch organization. <laughs> you know, it's, you know how we are. Oh, yeah. You know. And God just wants to go, no, it's about me, buddy boy, not about you. And finally, one day, down at the Port Royal Club, was a guy from our church says to me, hey, you're in church with me. How about you and me starting a Bible study in Port Royal? And normally, if that would happen, I would use what I call the church weasel language. Let me pray about it. Oh, none of you have heard that before. I see I'm the only one that does that. Oh, let me pray about it, which of course you know means not now. And I'll tell you later, I prayed about it and it was an NG, no good. But because the Holy Spirit had been working on me, as soon as he said those words, I went, yes. Yes. And so the rest, I, I'll give someday in a personal testimony to the class. I'll talk about it. Not now, because I want to cover this subject. But the point is, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And so you see, here's the deal. For us, for many in the church, we think of the Holy Spirit as kind of like a mystical power. Am I right? Like a power. Uh, like a wave. Like a force. And yet, when you study scripture, that's not true. The Holy Spirit is an entity. Just like God the Father is an entity. And Jesus Christ is an entity. We call them persons. They are personages. They are, in fact, actual, as best way I can phrase it is entities. Existing entities. Not forces, but uh, in every aspect of the word, a being. Um, and, and it's important to understand this as we do this. And now, as I was studying to, to uh, give you the best explanation of how this all comes together, we know that there is one God. Uh, there is one God. It was very clearly true right from the beginning that there was one God. In fact, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what, how the Jewish people were taught. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. See, the Jews never, have never really gotten over this. Our Lord is one. Yes, he is. But it's been clear right from the beginning that while God is one, one force, one united effort, that in that oneness, there are three. There are three. Uh, and as, as I studied this subject, uh, I, I reviewed uh, Norm Geisler's Systematic Theology textbook, which is about nine inches thick. He's, He's very good. Uh, and I did that because I wanted to see his, his uh, pronunciation of how he viewed the Trinity. And here's what he said, which is, I thought, very well done. He said, the Father is the planner. The Son is the accomplisher. The Holy Spirit 
is the applier of salvation to believers. That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, another way he phrased it was, the Father is the source, the Son is the means, and the Holy Spirit is the effector of salvation who convicts and converts. I think that's a great way to view it. Another way that my father used to phrase it, which I thought was equally good, was that water can be present in three states. It can be liquid, it can be ice, a solid, and it can be vapor, clouds. It's all water, but it presents itself in three different ways, and I think that's another good way of understanding it. And so, for you, for us, the question is this, how can I be more like the early Christians who obviously were impacted by the Holy Spirit? Um, and, and so one of the things that we have to be wary about is when we think of the Holy Spirit as a force, we wind up saying, I need to get more of the Holy Spirit, almost like I need to get more of the force. Uh, instead of saying, I want the Holy Spirit to have a greater impact in my life. You understand? Because what happens when you understand the true role of the Holy Spirit and after spending several weeks and a lifetime really of studying this subject, one of the things that I have learned is this, and this is a key thing that if you don't listen to anything else I say today, listen to this. When you have the Holy Spirit, he will evidence it in your life through gifts. Through gifts. The gifts of the Spirit, whatever they are, they will be evidenced. You will have some gifts in your life that will allow you to speak to people about Jesus Christ. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to be able to energize you and give you the ability to evangelize about Jesus. If instead you find yourself bragging about the gift, I have this special spiritual gift, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not draw attention to itself. He draws its attention to Jesus. Do you get the difference? And the problem is that I've seen uh, with certain people is they will brag about having certain spiritual gifts. Put your face in the dust, man. All right, if God has given you a gift, and I don't care what that gift is, it's a gift from God. It's not about you, really. I mean, if, if you're a great preacher or a great teacher, or some, some way God has given you a gift of evangelism, whatever it is, all those gifts come through the Holy Spirit. And all of them are meant to point to Jesus. Amen. Not you, away from you, to Jesus. And so if instead you're pointing it to yourself, that's a big, big no. That's a big no. And if that's happening, it's not truly then exhibiting a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's exhibiting a gift unto yourself. Uh, and that's not the purpose of gifts. The gifts are to lead others to, to the Holy Spirit. And so this conception of the, of, of the Holy Spirit as a power that we're to get a hold of and use can lead to self-exaltation. Oh, yes. I'm spirit-filled. You've heard that, okay? You've accepted Jesus Christ, you're all spirit-filled. You understand? The Holy Spirit has sealed you, okay? Don't go around bragging that you've been spirit-filled. You've been saved by the grace of God. He sealed you. Now, we're going to talk about the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, which every single believer has received, and the subsequent refillings of the Holy Spirit. 
And this is a subject that's very important that we don't hear spoken about too often in churches in, the, in America, and that is the fact that every day you need to have a refilling of the Holy Spirit because your, your, your life is a pail with holes in it, and you are dripping out. The power of God is dripping out in your life. And many of us have done our best to suppress that uh, and, and not to get close to the Holy Spirit, not to have him be a part of our lives uh, because we're afraid that the world will think we're a bunch of flakes. You're a zealot. Let me tell you something. Do you truly have the Holy Spirit? If God has, has really blessed you, then people can't wait to be near you. You know that. You can't wait to be near people who are filled and, and exhibiting the power of God in their lives. They are loving people. They're pointing the way to Jesus. They're out there working for God. You know where they are. They're not bragging about themselves or telling you things about their power or their gifts. They don't have to tell, say that because you see it in their lives. You see it. It's so evident. So that's what this is about, understanding how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and understanding that he is a person of infinite majesty, glory, and holiness and power. God himself. Can you imagine that God has allowed the third person of the Trinity to take residence in your body? Whoa. I never thought of it like that. That's right. The third person of the Trinity, at the time that you've accepted Jesus Christ, has taken residence in your heart. And now the question is, how can I have him take over every aspect of my life? How can I have him motivate me and teach me and draw me and sanctify me every aspect of my life uh, and, and take possession of me and teach me and convict me? Boho, that's a big deal. Convict me as I walk in this world and I say stupid things. Oh, yeah. I've said my share of stupid things. I've said... <laughs> Saint, I know he was. See, I understood that. I understood that. Brother Bill was saying, amen, Jesus. I'm saying stupid things all the time. And I know, brother, I appreciate that. God bless you. You're right. But I can give an amen because I've done it myself. And here's the thing. We all have. There's not a person here that has not done dumb things and will continue to do dumb things. Why? Because you are saints because Jesus has saved you, but you're not saintly yet. You understand the difference? You are a work in progress, and the Holy Spirit is there convicting you, working on you. And so now when you do something dumb or you say something stupid, here's what happens. Oh, no, no, why did I say that, God? Whereas before you were blithely ignorant. <laughs> what problem? Insulting, stupid comments, saying things that would never attract anybody to Jesus Christ, would repel them from Jesus Christ. Repel them from Jesus Christ. But now when those words come out of your mouth, it's like, oh, Lord. It's almost like you're in a constant state of conviction. Truthfully, I find that, honestly, that as I walk and I pray, and I, and I told you that you need to pray 100 times a day, and that's, you're, you're praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That when you do this, God shows you the errors of your ways. He is convicting you. He's sanctifying you. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus wanted him to do. And so if you find that you are not able to talk to people about Jesus Christ, then I would say you need to ask God to give you a greater filling of the Holy Spirit. 
You need to draw closer to the Holy Spirit. You need to have a greater prayer life and a greater study of the Bible. All those things, all those things will draw the Holy Spirit closer to you and, and make him have a, a greater impact in your life. And so uh, this is important. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit as a person, we are saying that the Holy Spirit uh, is one of the three of the Trinity, that they are equal in every way. You got that? There is not, there's not one is lesser than the other. They are each equal in every way, fully God in every way. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we know that because we see how Jesus himself used the terminology. Uh, Jesus said, I will send, ask for another comforter. Uh, and so he knew that while Jesus' role would be to intercede for us in heaven, as we pray, we put every, all our prayers in the name of Jesus, but that here in this world, the Holy Spirit would be omnipresent in his church, in his believers, not a thing, but an actual entity, uh, an actual person who would have an understanding of your pain. Now, a force doesn't have an understanding of your pain, but an entity would. An actual entity would understand your pain, understand your sorrow, understand your grief, walking with you day by day and being in you and feeling your pain. That's the Holy Spirit. Do you see why when you talk about it this way, your heart should say, oh God, please draw me closer. Let fill me, fill me, God. Fill me, give me a greater understanding of this role so that I can be what you want me to be. This is how God allows you to serve him. And many of you say, well, I'm not called. I can't do this. I can't go there. That's right. Within your physical limitations, you can't do that. Do you think I ever thought I would be doing this? On the way up this morning to church, my wife and I were talking about my son preaching and commenting and saying, you know, how pleased we were with what he, how he was preaching. When he was three years old, my mother turned to me and said, he's going to be a minister someday, which I go, oh, yeah, gosh, yeah, ma. Yeah, he's going to be a minister someday. You know, he's three years old. Uh, I would have been the last person in the world to say that about him. I would have been the last person in the world to say this about me. Growing up in my father's church, I never spoke in church. I felt inadequate. I didn't have the ability to get up in church. Why? Because my father was far holier than I ever thought I would be, and I could not get up and feel comfortable in that setting. That's the way it is. Uh, and it's only when, as time went by and the Holy Spirit had its impact in me, that I came to understand it's not about you, John. It's not about you, brother. All right, don't you go around waiting until you think you're holy enough to do what I want, because otherwise you'll be sitting in that church till, till the cows come home. Amen. But it's about submitting to me and then letting the Holy Spirit have its way in your heart. And that's what this is about. Having a Holy Spirit have its way in your heart. That's what this whole lesson is about. And so the personality of the Holy Spirit is evident from the scriptures in many ways. Uh, the personal actions ascribed to the Holy Spirit prove his personality. Uh, first of all, we've seen here in John, in John 14 verses 16 to 18, his personality is a counselor. A counselor, uh, meaning uh, one who advises you uh, and gives you peace and affirmation. Then turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12.
By the way, if you wonder how you can be teaching the Gospel of John for more than two years, this is an example. Because here we are on two verses, and I'm probably going to be here for at least two weeks, probably three weeks. This is how, this is how God wants us to learn. It's all in the Gospel of John, but if we flew by these verses without understanding the impact of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't be learning a thing. And so you see it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and, and here, there's a differentiation here of all the spiritual gifts, all of them. Um, and and uh, it's, they're denominated here. Verse 8, look at that. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the me message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one just as he determines. He, he, him, he determines a personality, an entity, all right? Not a force, not a metaphysical force, but an actual personage. So you see the personality at work. Uh, and his distinction from the Father and the Son both prove his personality. And Jesus says this, if you turn to John chapter 15, verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. There he is. He's a teacher. He's a teacher. And he's here to teach you about me, Jesus. And so that's what his role is. As he comforts you, I'm not going to be walking with you anymore. But my Spirit, that's what it is, my Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will be there with you. It's a separate personality, a separate entity. And now Jesus indicates the, the equality with the uh, Father and, and the Son in Matthew 28. Take a look at that. So if you ever get into a discussion with somebody and they'll say to you, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God, but eh, I'm not so sure about this Holy Spirit. Well, really? Then I would say your argument is with Jesus. Turn to Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How do we know he's with us always? Because he gave us the Holy Spirit. All right? That is the representation of Jesus Christ in your lives. A separate personage. And here's a point that just came to me that I, that I want to share with you. Uh, on Saturdays, I often li listen to my radio broadcast. Uh, and the reason I listen to the radio broadcast is I want to be in a position if I come to church and somebody has a question about what I spoke, and these are, bro these are messages that I've delivered several years ago, I can <laughs> speak to them intelligently because I can't remember everything that, I, everything that I've said. And yet I will say to my wife, more often than not, I honestly can't remember all the words that I speak. Truthfully, it's almost as if I'm listening to somebody else speaking. You may find that unusual, but truthfully, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. I mean, honestly, I got to tell you something, that, I, that, that as I bow in submission before God, it's almost as if the words are being pulled out of my mouth. All right? Yes, I've studied. I have an outline. 
But I don't have these words written down. And when I go back and I listen to the broadcast, truthfully, often I will say to Linda, I don't remember saying that. I don't remember saying that. And that really, I believe, is the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit uh, is about. Not about you. Not about you lifting yourself up, about pointing the attention to you. It's about you deflecting it from yourself and pointing to him. All right? That's what this is about. Uh, and we are going to continue to study this. Uh, you know, it's funny because I said to Linda, ooh, I've got to start working on another outline. She says, are you kidding? This outline, you're going to be on this thing for a couple of weeks. And so I would say she's probably right, so hold on to it. Bring it back next week as we continue digging down into understanding the Holy Spirit. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Father, I thank you for your words. Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for having God in our presence, walking with us, residing in our hearts. What a power, Lord, to think that you, our creator, would reside inside our hearts. Give us a greater understanding of what this is. Draw us closer to the Holy Spirit and closer to the cross. Bless our people. Be with them this week and protect them and bring them back safely on Sunday. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks, God bless you all.